Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. The date was February the 11th, 1990. The place was the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. The event, a heavyweight title fight between Mike Tyson, the reigning champion, and Buster Douglas. For Tyson, it was just a warm-up fight, getting ready for his defense of his title with Evander Holyfield. For Douglas, it was an opportunity to make a name for himself. Tyson entered the fight undefeated. 37 victories, no defeats. 33 of those 70, 37 victories were by knockouts. Douglas had already lost four fights. The Las Vegas odds for Michael Douglas winning that fight were 42 to 1. Let me define that for you. That means if you would bet $2,500 for Douglas to win the fight, and he won, your payout would be over $100,000. The fight started, and Douglas actually lasted longer than was expected. He made it to the eighth round, but finally the inevitable happened. Tyson knocked him down on the canvas. The referee begins the count. This is going to be the end of the fight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But before he could get to ten, Douglas staggers on his feet. Tyson could see he was staggered and dazed, and he walks over to finish him off, but before he could land the punch, the bell rings. Douglas came out of that ninth round. But when he came out, he was like a different person. He was like he had fresh energy. He was like it was the first round again. He was swinging. He was, he was energetic, motivated. And he knocked Tyson out and won the fight. To this day, that fight is considered one of the greatest upsets in sports history. Afterwards, the interviewer was asking Douglas about the fight. And he said to him, it looked like the fight was over. You were, you were knocked out, you were down on the canvas, but then you came back the next round and you were like a different fighter. What happened when you were down on the canvas? And here's what Douglas said. He said, when I was down on the canvas, at first I heard the referee counting, but then I heard something else. He said, my mother was my biggest fan. She would take me to the gym and, and take me for coaching and, and she was gonna be at this fight but my mother died three weeks ago and she couldn't be here. But on her deathbed, she said, son, win that fight for me. 
And her voice drowned out the count. And I heard my mom say, win that fight for me. And it caused me to get back up. Mike Tyson won the fight. Because while flat on his back on the canvas, he discovered his why. His why. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The power, the focus, the motivation that can be released in your life when you discover your why. Uh, but before I do, I just want to say it is so great to be here. I have heard so much about this church. Every, we drive to Banff. We see C3. You know, we're familiar with having been uh, uh, to C3 Sydney for over 20 years now speaking. And we first met Pastor Pringle when uh, both he and I were doing meetings with Dr. Lester Sumrall, the late Lester Sumrall in South Bend, Indiana, speaking for his camp meeting. And, and uh, we've just had an incredible time with uh, pastors Phil and Chris and C3 movement since then. It's been really neat. And just so great to hook up with your pastors. I, I sincerely told your pastor this morning, I had so much fun with them last night at dinner that I would have phoned here just to have dinner and leave this morning. <laughs> yeah. So, so being with you today is the bonus. Yeah. And, and, and I mean this in all sincerity. I, I traveled an awful lot. I, my American airline card is 9 million miles. And, and, and I go to a lot of churches. The efficiency of this church is amazing. I mean, from, from the very first, you know, Serrano when I walk in, and Phoenix, and, and, and Matthew, and, and Tyler picking me up, everybody, I hope you recognize the greatness that is here, and you really appreciate it. I just honor you, honor all of you. Yeah, just incredible. Yeah, just, uh, and it's so, so great to be, it's, it's actually, it's just great to be in Calgary, because I love to be in a city whose name I can pronounce. <laughs> I was, I was uh, traveling, you know, you hit all sorts of names, and uh, we were doing a meeting down in uh, Miami area, and we're driving down Interstate 95, and I said to the driver, there's our turnoff, Opalaka. And he turned to me and he says, it's not Opalaka, it's Opalaksha. Then the guy in the back seat said, no, you're both wrong, it's Caribbean, it's Opalaksha, like cha-cha-cha. So I'm going to speak in the city, I have no idea how to pronounce his name. But we stopped to get a snack, and I called the manager of the restaurant over, and I said, Sir, I said, I'm confused. Very slowly, will you please tell me exactly where am I? <laughs> and he looks at me kind of funny, and he says, Burger King. <laughs> so, well, I guess that's exactly where I was at. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor mentioned to you that, uh, you know, uh, about a little bit about our bio. Uh, I, I come out of the business world and uh, launched into ministry years ago. And uh, God has just uh, richly blessed us and, and used us in so, in so many ways. Uh, we've sold over one million audio programs. Uh, I speak extensively in the secular arena. In fact, my last time I was here in Calgary was at the Genesis Center uh, with a, a seminar there. Uh, because the biblical principles that we teach uh, will impact people's lives, not just in churches, but even in the secular world. Because God's word works wherever you release it. And uh, it's just been an exciting run. We've had our own national television program. And he mentioned to you, we, we do put on events. Uh, our next event is Hawaii. Uh, we sold it out in two hours with deposits when we announced it this last year. Uh, we have uh, got more hotel rooms, and those will be released to the public uh, in the near future. If you're interested in getting information on it, go to our website. 
uh, or we have uh, flyers out there. There's just nothing like it in the Christian marketplace today because it is a seminar that is geared for leaders, business owners, sales achievers, and people that rapidly want to go to another level. Uh, we do four to seven speakers every day, and we're done at one o'clock. Uh, so you can enjoy the resort and ID exchange with the other leaders that are there. And then one you really might be interested in, because WestJet flies nonstop to Palm Springs, and, and that is, uh, uh, we have one coming in November, a two-and-a-half-day event. And uh, we have flyers on that. And if you want to come to church, uh, uh, can, it's a half-price registration discount. And uh, we have information on that also uh, back at the table. Uh, as mentioned to you, I teach on the subject of increase. Uh, and I think it's very important that we define what that word means so that we're on the same page. So let me start by saying what increase is not. Increase is not a teaching about making and getting more money. Now, many people, when they begin to think this way and get, get exposed to the teaching of increase, that happens to them. You know, I was thinking of a businessman that uh, last year sent me a, 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 a tech, an email after he got his tax returns back, and he said, last year, he said, he said when I got a hold of your teaching, I drywall business in Phoenix was doing $30,000 a month. He said, last year, we increased up to 500000 a month. So it can directly affect a person's finances. But the message of increase is really about changing how we hear and how we see and process information. My elevator talk, people would say, what do you do? And I say, I'm an eye and ear doctor. They say, you are? Yes, I change how people see and how they hear. And changing how they hear and how they see, I can change their lives. And so we teach people to recognize that we many times carry around limiting beliefs or wrong thinking and habits from our past. But if we could identify those and break their power off of our lives, which we have control to do, that we can literally begin to live a different life. So that's what it's all about. It's about a lifestyle. And, and that lifestyle can cause you to have more money, but it's not about money. It's, it's about living beyond your means. It's about having things happen to you that otherwise wouldn't happen because now you're seeing and you're hearing different, so you're expecting differently. Uh, let me give you one example. We'll get into the teaching today. Uh, I was scheduled to speak at a conference in uh, uh, Montego Bay, Jamaica, and it ended on Friday night. Then on Saturday morning, or Sunday morning, I was scheduled to speak at a church in Kingston. So to get between the two cities, I, I had to fly Air Jamaica. So I go out to the airport, and I uh, put my bag in the scale, and the uh, person says, that'll be $50 for your bag. And it startled me. It didn't startle me because $50 is a lot of money. It startled me because I'm not used to having somebody charge me for luggage. Because see, part of increased thinking is we're always looking for deals and we're always figuring out ways to avoid expenses. Because money saved is even better than money earned because it's not taxable. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so if I have a Delta airline credit card, I can do bags free with Delta. I have a United credit card, bags free with United. American, I can get three free bags, 70 pounds. Now this person's saying I want $50 for your bag. Well, I have trained myself to be obedient to authority. 
But at the same time, my subconscious mind is always thinking. It's just, this is the way it automatically works. Is there a deal? Do you have to do this? Is there another way? You, can you save the money? I mean, that's just the way my mind thinks. So, so my conscious mind is handing the lady the credit card. But while the credit card is going out in slow motion, <laughs> you know, my subconscious is saying, is there a deal? Is there another way? Can you figure out an angle? And all of a sudden, I caught it, and I pulled the card back, kind of startled. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't. I said, but I, I, I got the thing. Um, in America, we have certain airlines, and in, if you get to the gate, I mean, to the ticket counter, and they have empty first-class seats, you can upgrade to first-class for as low as $50. I said, do you have a program like that? She said, yes, we do. If you want, you could upgrade to first-class for $50. I said, charge me $50. I'm, I'm flying up front. So she charges my $50 to upgrade me. <clears throat> Gives me the credit card back, and I say to her, by the way, first-class passengers get free bags, don't they? She said, yes. <laughs> now, 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 I want you to see this for just a moment. This is a picture of increase. You know, in the back, we have people, six across, crammed together, bought a coach ticket, paid $50 for a bag. Up front, <laughs> two of us, wide, reclining seats. It was like a, a private jet, a flight attendant for two people, having a totally different experience. Why? Not because of what we paid for the ticket, not because of how we were dressed, not because of our educational background, not anything with ethnic. The only thing that separated those crammed in the back from those in the front was our thinking. And because we had a different thinking, we were having a different experience. Oh, by the way, there were eight first-class seats. There were only two of us sitting there, six empty seats that were available to anybody that was crammed in the back that would have a different thinking. Are you accepting living in the back when God has empty seats for you waiting up front and all this separating you is making a decision to change your thinking? In Luke, the fifth chapter, is a story of a classic teaching that I love to do, but we're going to go a different direction with it today. It's a story of some fishermen who fished all night, and they caught nothing. And then they had an encounter with Jesus, and they went back out and fished again, and had the greatest catch of their lives. An incredible story, because here, in the same 12-hour period that they had their worst disaster, they had their greatest success. Now, that's pretty good for a turnaround. And we're going to look at a couple aspects of that story in the time we have together this morning. Luke, the fifth chapter. And the text goes, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. You know, Matthew, I'm going to stop here just a minute. So, so just, I, I, I want to go side, something on the side for just a minute because it's not my teaching today, but I think it's so important. I, I don't want to miss it. Jesus saw their empty nets. I would ask you this question. How did he react 
to seeing their emptiness. How did he react to their lack? Now, why is that important? Because it tells us how he reacts when we're in a situation of emptiness. I want you to notice what he did not do. He did not say to them, you know, I see your nets are empty, but that's just the way life is. Sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes the economy's good, sometimes the economy's bad. Sometimes the industries are really thriving, sometimes industries aren't, aren't, aren't doing so good. That's just the way life is. He's, he, said, he didn't say to them, you know, I, I, I inspired somebody to write a song about that. It, it goes like this. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. He didn't say that. The first thing he did, he acknowledged that they had empty nets. Now, I think this is important because this is where some people in faith miss it, I feel. He didn't deny the reality of their situation. He merely believed that there was a power that was greater that could change their situation. He said, I see you have empty nets. But then he said, I don't want you to keep empty nets. See, if increase is the mindset of God, then empty nets would be something opposite of what he wants us to experience. But the danger is what they were getting ready to do. They were cleaning their nets and getting ready to go home and accept the emptiness. They were beginning to think, how can we survive Unless, how can we get by in this empty situation? Well, somebody's trying to tell them that, okay, I, I don't want you to stay there. I want you to experience something different. It's kind of like the guy that was at a carnival. He went to a fortune teller. And he said to the fortune teller, can you tell me what my life is going to be like? And she looks at his hand and says, oh, my, doesn't look real good. Uh, you're going to be broken, miserable for the next two years. He says, oh, well, how about after the two years? Well, you'll still be broke, but you won't be miserable because you'll get used to it. <laughs> See, and that's what happens many times. We start adjusting to the current reality instead of focusing on where God might want us to be. So Jesus sees their empty nets, and what does he say to them? I want you to take the boats back out and have net-breaking, boat-sinking increase. In other words, he's, and then, but it's not just go back and do the same thing. I, I don't have time to teach it today, but he gives them some different things to do. Go to a different place, go to a different time. So sometimes our increase is waiting for us, but we're not experiencing it because we're trying to go back to where we were before. And, and Jesus is speaking to us, saying, no, there's something different out there if you'll just make some changes. And when you make the changes, you'll have the increase. So, so when my wife, first wife of 37 years, was laughing one morning and dead that night. And I had to go through a season of grief. This truth is one of the things that helped me. Because I realized that grief was a reality. It was something where I was, but it wasn't where I needed to stay. That he had a future for me, a life for me. And so I said, yea, though I walk through the valley. Yes, there is a valley, but I go walk through the valley. So if you're in a valley today where there's personally, relationship-wise, financially, whatever, walk through that valley because God has increase waiting for you. All right, that's not my topic. Whew, let's get going. Man. Let's keep going. We might go five minutes over, but I'll really watch it. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. I took longer than that than I meant to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen got out of them and they were washing their nets. And he entered his Simon's ship and he prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. 
And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And I think that's very important. Don't have time to teach them that. But he changed their actions because he changed their thinking because he taught them. And when he finished speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for great increase. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, so much so the net began to break. And they beckoned other partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships, so much so that they began to sink. What an incredible story of a turnaround. But this story doesn't just reveal to us increase, strategies for increase, God's mindset for increase. This story shows us the why of increase. And we find it in the seventh verse. Let's go back and look at that for just a moment. They've taken the boats out now. And they're catching so many fish that the boat's in danger of sinking and the nets are breaking. One of the things I've learned in life, if you want to find out what somebody's really like, if you want to find out what they really believe, listen and look how they react in times of fear, stress, and sudden change. Because in those times, they bypass the conscious mind and that protected image that they want to put out, and from the abundance of the heart comes out who they really are. And you find out what, what's really down there. So we look at the fishermen now. They're in a boat that's in danger of sinking. What should be their normal instinctive reaction without thought? If you're in a boat in, that's in danger of sinking, what are you thinking? Save the boat! How many of you know that an empty boat that floats is more valuable than a full boat that sinks? <laughs> so you save the boat by going to shore, right? Not only that, save our lives. If the boat sinks, Number one, we don't know they can swim, but even if they could swim, they could get tangled up in all the nets and all the fishes and everything and go down to the bottom. So save our lives, go to shore. Not only that, increase is waiting at shore. They only have potential increase. They have fish. The fish have to be sold in order to get the money. So money is at shore. So boat, go to shore. Save our lives, go to shore. Get our money, go to shore. That's not what they did. Look what it says in the seventh verse they did. It said they looked around and saw an empty boat that was nearby and they called that boat over and now two boats are full and not one. And that's the reason why God wants you to experience increase. It's not just about your boat getting full. It's because there's going to be empty boats that are going to be around you. And their fullness is dependent upon you being full first. Because, see, if your boat is empty, you can love them, you can give them compassion, you can hug them, you can pray for them, but you can't materially change their situation. Because out of your emptiness, there's nothing to give. But if, on the other hand, if you make a decision, I'm going to go for more. I'm going to try and have a more abundant life so that I can make a difference in the impact in other people around me. Now, you can do those other things, but now you can say, let me help you. Let me pay you to go to camp. Let me help you go to the mission field. Let me help the building project, whatever it might be. Let me make a difference. 
Because you now have the ability to make a difference. So increase requires a focus. And the focus is, I'm not in it for me. I'm in it to make a difference. I'm in it to be a blessing. And when you get that focus, all of a sudden your life takes on new meaning, a a whole new dimension. Because now you wake up in the morning and you know this world is going to be a better place because you lived another day. Because there's somebody out there whose life you're going to make a difference to. You know, it, it might start with just being a smile, just being grateful and talking to somebody. But, but no, let's, let's start making a difference out in the marketplace. I'm just not talking about offerings in churches. I'm talking about being the testimony, being the light of the world out in the marketplace where we're living. Being aware of people's needs. You see a disaster on TV and they give you a, a text to say they didn't help. Respond. You're in a grocery store and somebody, maybe, is, I don't know if you have food stamps here, we do in America, and, and I was in a situation in Walmart, and, and the, lady, the lady was using coupons and food stamps to buy, and it was more than she was expecting, and she was having to take things back out. And the Holy Spirit said, you're standing here for a reason, not just to get irritated because she's taking so long. You're here for a reason, make a difference. I pulled out my credit card, stick it in, said, let me buy the groceries today. You save those for the next time. See, that's what I'm talking about. But we can't do that without that increase. And so I challenge you today, get that focus on making a difference in other people's lives. But you may say to me, Bob, I'm barely making it now. And you're telling me that I need to focus on being a blessing. I'm the one that needs the blessing. No, the Bible says that when we make a decision to live according to his word, of making a difference in the lives of other people, It says in 1 Corinthians 9.10, I will give seed to the sower. Say that with me, seed to the sower. Say it again, seed to the sower. Now, I think it's very important to recognize in the Bible as well as in mathematics and engineering and whatever it might be, uh, or even cooking, uh, it's not just important to have the right ingredients, you have to have them in the right order. Because if you get the order wrong, things are going to get all messed up. And sometimes we go and we live our lives thinking he gives seed so we can become a sower. That isn't what it says. It says we make a decision to be a sower and he provides the seed. God is a God of replenishing. God is a God of looking for people that are making a decision that regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of my circumstances, I am going to be a blessing in the lives of other people. I am going to be a sower. And he replenishes what we give. Now, if you, if you have any trouble comprehending that, I have a book, I'll talk about it in just a minute, called PowerPoints for Increase. It's 101 Bible-based success strategies. It's, I really love the book because every chapter is two pages. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and so leaders love it because it's quick reading, but, and, it's, and they can get 101 different success strategies out of the book. And, and it's introduced, every chapter is unusual newspaper headlines, such as Blind Man Rob's Bank, Rob's Bank Can't Find Way Out, and, and we teach exit strategy or things like this. And it, anyway, so the last chapter of the book is on this subject. And the last chapter is about a man named Bernie Willman. And here's what it says. Man gives 30 gallons of blood. 
According to the American Red Cross, during his lifetime, an Oklahoma man is given 30 gallons of blood. Wanting to do something to help his fellow man, Bertie Willman came up with the idea of donating blood. Since blood can only be do donated one pint at a time, he has made over 250 visits to the blood bank. Bernie is just an ordinary man, a former Marine who fought during World War II. He said, not being rich, I gave what I could. What more could someone do than give life to help somebody else? But the question I bring to you is, Bernie goes into the blood bank. They stick a tube in him, and he watches blood come out, and they take a whole pint of blood that he can see. That blood is gone. Now Bernie has only four pints of blood. So does that mean that Bernie's now going to live his life with four pints, but he gave a pint out of love and compassion? No, because God has programmed us in our body to replenish that and replace that when we give it. So that within 48 hours, Bernie now has five pints of blood back again. So he can go back in and give again. And then God replenishes it, and he goes back and give again. And God replenishes it, he goes back and give again. That's how he gave 30 gallons. It's the same with our giving. When we give... God says, ah, there's somebody giving blood to help somebody. I'm going to replenish it. And it replenishes, it replenishes, it replenishes. So when you live a life of making a difference, it doesn't mean you're going to have to live with less. God is going to replenish what you give. And, he, and he's going to bless you. And, and I don't have time to teach it today, but not just replace it. Many times he's going to give it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So my challenge to you this morning is this. I want to challenge you today to determine that you are going to live a life of increase and you're going to act that out by making the decision to start making a difference in the lives of other people. And I want to challenge you today to look for ways to do it this week. If you don't activate it by next Sunday, you're probably going to fade away. So start looking this week. Say, Lord, Show me ways that I can make a difference in somebody's life, in the church, in, in, in the marketplace, my, my kids, my grand, whatever it might be, and do something you maybe otherwise wouldn't do. And watch and see how God replenishes that so you can do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again and become a person that makes a difference in the lives of other people. How many are willing to do that? Let's say this together. Father... I come to you today, and I thank you for your word. And your word clearly shows you want me to increase. So I make a decision. Increase is going to come in, and increase is going to come out. And as a result of that, I'm going to receive supernatural blessings. And I thank you now for the blessings that are coming my way. Now thank him for those blessings. Hallelujah, Father. We praise you for that. Glory to your name. Praise you, Lord. Turn to two or three around you and say, I believe it's going to happen. One of my hobbies is collecting unusual newspaper stories, and I came across one in the Seattle Times not long ago. It was a very interesting story. It said, a man gets sick siphoning gas. And, 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 I, and I read the article, and it was about this guy. He decided to siphon gas, and what better place to get gas out of a motor coach because it'd have a whole lot of it. 
So he stuck the hose in and said the police arrived on the scene and the man was curled up the street, in the street uh, rolling over in pain. And, and when they went to investigate, they found out the problem was, by mistake, the thief plugged his hose into the sewage tank. No. Uh, now, why would I share that story with you when we're doing so good? Because uh, <laughs> it illustrates that what you plug your hose into is going to determine the life you live. So, uh, we, we have some resources out at the table. I, I am not in the resource selling business, particularly in churches. Uh, I'm in the life changing business. But we're, we're, we leave from here and uh, on Monday we're flying to Vancouver where we're going to be uh, spending the next week uh, on an 80 foot yacht with a, one of our partners, a man that was a plumber and got a hold of this teaching and now owns hundreds of units of apartments and is one of the biggest givers that I know, making a difference around the world. And his life changed, not because he heard me speak one time, because he drove around with me. And he got more of this kind of teaching. And so if you're really serious about change, you want to get some material, we have some incredible prices for you. My number one seller in the secular world is our School of Increase. It's uh, six different seminars that we've put together. Uh, the main one is our, our keynotes teaching on great multitude lifestyle. That's what I'm teaching you on today. Uh, uh, our second seminar we have in here is uh, breaking free from the bondage of debt. We teach the strategies for what debts you go after first. How do you develop a program for it? Once you become debt-free, then you have to make a decision. Is this the way I want to live? Or now do I want to separate good debt from bad debt and use debt to build up in, in increase? Uh, time increase. Don't ask where it went. Tell it where to grow. How to increase productivity. Uh, the Seahawks series. Defense. Offense sells tickets. Defense wins games. Uh, the attitudes for success. How to create an environment for success. So six different seminars. Uh, we have it available, and this is the download version. We also have it in the CD download version. Uh, in, in, if you go to our website, uh, this sells for $495 US. Uh, we discounted at churches 50%. But not only that, we're going to do something I don't think we've ever done on a Canadian tour before. Uh, we're going to let you buy it for Canadian dollars for the American half price. So that is just, you know, ridiculous, but that's what we're going to do. And, and if you want, you can get it on a payment plan. I think it's three payments of $62 or something like that, U.S. So anyway, so that's available. That's our first special. If you're only going to get one series, get this one, Great Multitude. It's uh, six CDs teaching on this whole story of Luke, the fifth chapter. What were all the changes they made? How did they get those changes? How did they recognize them? One whole hour on teaching on biblical visualization. And so that's available back at the table. That's also the same kind of discount. Uh, we have a few of the books left. Uh, if you want to get those, uh, PowerPoints for Increase, the book sells for uh, uh, 15, let's see, $20 US, but if we're selling for, what's that, 15 US. And, but I would get the audio card. It, the audio card is, uh, has all, four, all uh, 101 chapters in a four-minute segment, and you download it into your uh, iPad, transfer it to your iPhone, and you can listen to those wherever you go. And uh, it's really neat. And if you buy the audio card, the book is free. And so that's the three specials we have back at the table. We do take Visa, Master Charge, American Express, Cash, Check, and Airline First Class Upgrades. I have, I have one minute left, and I, and I think I can do it in one minute. I want to ask you this question. Why did Jesus go to that boat and choose that boat to get the blessing? 
See, we, we, in our thinking, we're thinking maybe there's only two boats along the shore, so he is mainly attracted there because there were only two boats. But see, I don't believe that's the case because these weren't casual fishermen going out for fun. These were commercial fishermen getting fish to feed the city. Two boats aren't going to feed a city. So I believe there had to be a fleet of boats that go out on a regular basis, and they catch fish, and they come back, and, and, and they bring the fish to be bought first thing in the morning to be sold in the city. So I believe there had to be a whole lot of boats that Jesus saw when he was on the shore that day. Meaning he had to walk by a whole lot of other boats to come to that boat. And I've asked myself, is there a way I could figure out why he came to that boat? Did he know something? Did he spot something? What was it? And I think I know. Remember at the beginning I said, if you want to find out what somebody's really like, watch what they say and how they behave in times of fear, stress, and sudden change. And how the fishermen in that time didn't look to save themselves and go to shore and get their money. Instead, they looked to be a blessing. That tells me that was down in their instinctive reactions, which tells me it's something they had done before. Which means prior to this event, they were already giving oriented. So Jesus walks by those that are focused on self, and he doesn't notice them. But he goes to the boat of the giver. And he says, that's the person I want to bless because I know in advance that they're going to bless others when I bless them. And when you make a difference, to live a life of making a difference, God is going to walk by other homes. He's going to walk by other business. He's going to go by other bank accounts. And he's going to say, that's the one I want to bless. That's the one that's going to make a difference. And that's what I believe is going to happen to you. God bless you and good being with you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.